You're listening to The Reality Show, hosted by Dan Rutstein, president of immersive tech company, Laduma. Each episode delves deep into the power and potential of immersive technology in business, entertainment, or sport, now and in the future. So welcome back to The Reality Show. Now, for our regular listeners, one of the big things we talk about is storytelling in immersive technology, which is why I'm so excited to be here today uh, talking to our guest from the Royal Shakespeare Company, uh, because obviously that is all about storytelling and this is all about immersive tech. So Sarah Ellis, welcome to the show. Thank you. So I think we'd have to jump straight into this part of how do you marry the work of centuries old brilliant British writing with a modern technology in a modern world? Well, Shakespeare's plays that are 400 years old um, started with a great ambition around technology. Theatre has always had a relationship with technology. Um, If we look at Candlelight, that was a technology that came into theatre that changed the way we wrote our plays. Um, If we look at electricity, it also changed the way we make theatre. And in Shakespeare's day, um, he was around some of the most entrepreneurial and ambitious um, innovators um, that impacted on how he he made his plays. Um, And so it's in that spirit that we look at Shakespeare's plays now and the new immersive technologies that are coming in um, to our theatre making toolkit um, who, which are new but we should always remember that the theatre makers whether you're a designer or a director or an actor performer you're always innovating and quietly innovating and always looking at that plays about what they say now and who they say that to um, in an audience of this generation so we're welcoming those new technologies but also not forgetting all the traditional toolkit of technologies that we've had over the past 400 years to be able to perform his plays. Um, and he he had massive ambitions around certain plays like The Tempest, where there were scenes of spectacle and innovation of their day and, and designers um, designed in a way where we still quite don't quite know how they actually did the tricks and the magic that they did and that's quite a wonderful thing. So before we talk about some of the magic that you have both used in your role here and also plan to use in the future, is there a weight of responsibility you feel working for the Royal Shakespeare Company that you might not feel if you were working just for a small innovative collection trying to do some cool tech in theatre you know you've got royal in your title I mean, and you've got Shakespeare in your title yeah. so how does how does it do you come to work thinking I've got to sort of do justice to this enormous legacy um I think you I think the rigor of the thinking around it is really important and we may make certain decisions about what technology or what creative decisions that we might make in terms of the play those things matter to us um we want to give our audiences the best possible experience they can have. I don't think that that's any different, though, in a smaller company. I think that there's the same dedication, wisdom and rigour that goes into the thinking around that. But I think what we do have is a legacy and a repository of great performances and productions that we've done, which... um, 
we are standing on the shoulders of giants really and it's how we have a relationship with the past and the present and the future and we don't forget the past and the past is also telling us things um, and sharing sharing what they've done with those performances and plays that we can riff off so we're really fortunate to to have directors that have directed those plays and before for an audience of them with the same scale and ambition and it's you really passing the baton on really um, and it's how we also ha we create a cultural memory sometimes we when we look at new technology or new things we think it's just parachuting in from nowhere but actually many people have done things before just not using that particular tech um, but they may have wanted to deliver the same thing yeah so give me an example of when well, I think you mentioned the Tempest earlier on because that's your that was your big new clever award-winning attempt at this so tell us about about that particular show and 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 what you did but also the thinking that took you to that so 2016 was the 400th anniversary of Shakespeare's death and we wanted to do something really special and spectacular um looking at Shakespeare and all his different um impacts on us and society and, and our audiences um and at the end of it, um, we wanted to look at something future-facing. And The Tempest is Shakespeare's last play, and arguably one of his most magical and wonderful, wondrous plays. Um, and our artistic director, Greg, uh, said, there's a said there's a scene in the play called A Mask. And in Shakespeare's day, they were scenes of spectacle and innovation using the most cutting-edge tools and technologies of the day in order to perform them. For example... Um, we see you sort of um, you had uh, descriptions of audiences being asked to wear jewellery and mirrors and glass for it to reflect off the candlelight, and I just think that's a wonderful example of immersive technology mm. and interactivity. Um, and so Greg wanted to see what would a digital spectacle mask look like, and so I went on the internet as you do um, to find out um, ideas, and I found this two-minute YouTube clip from a keynote at CES, the Consumer Electronics Summit in Las Vegas, by the CEO of Intel. And in that keynote, uh, he, he had a screen up and he, he said, oh, look at this whale on the screen. And then he said, ah, but look at it now. And the whale came across everyone's heads in the YouTube clip. And obviously, you couldn't see it without some form of screen augmented reality. And I sent that to Greg and he wrote back, I want one. He wanted a whale. He wanted a whale. But he wanted, it was that feeling of immersion yeah. and that 3D-ness. And from there I reached out to Intel's customer service website. <laughs> or you did it like the, the old-fashioned way. I cold, had no contacts. And from there um, someone wrote back and then we had a call and we started a conversation around um, The Tempest. And it was a really genuine moment where we wanted to look at that play and look at what we could do with it. And in, in the process of that, someone from Intel said, do you know we have enough real-time processing power now to render a digital avatar in real-time? And uh, we said, that's fascinating. We've got no idea what that means. And he said it again, and we were like, oh, you mean puppetry? And it was that moment where technology and theatre came together in a really wonderful way where we looked at this technology and went, okay, let's see if we can make this work in the play. So we very quickly went to Ariel, who is a spirit and a nymph in the, in the Tempest. And for that production, um, 
we rendered uh, his digital avatar in real time using motion capture technology um, and turned it into a form of 21st century puppetry um, that was using um, motion capture, games engine technology, um, a huge amount of computing power, 27 projectors around the stage. Um, and that was a pivotal moment for us in our relationship with immersive technology now uh, and where we looked at that. And the importance of that particular production is that every single decision around the technology was based on the play and the text of Shakespeare and it meant when we presented that to our audiences there was a huge amount of integrity around how we brought that new technology in. So it wasn't just a fancy gimmick? No, not at all. Part of telling the story? Part of telling the story and also bringing into that theatre making toolkit that we talked about um, earlier is that if you want to bring these new technologies in, they have to work with the existing infrastructure and how audiences um, are experiencing theatre. And to bring it in through the play and through the through the eyes of Shakespeare was was a really good rule for us to stick to. So, so did you almost have a sort of, for want of a better expression, a Shakespeare test? So, you know, <laughs> would he be turning in his grave if he knew we were doing X? Well, it's quite brilliant there's a brilliant academic um called Jim Shapiro and he writes so wonderfully about this and talks about this a lot and he said if this technology was available to Shakespeare he'd be eating it up yeah and he was a brilliant entrepreneur and he was a brilliant um innovator himself and and I think uh so really what we're really um using as our test is the characters and the story of Shakespeare's plays and the meaning behind that. So in terms of how it was received, you presumably you would have had people there who were Shakespeare fans. Yeah. And you would have had sort of interested technology folks. So what, what sort of feedback did you get? Um, well, what was wonderful about the production was that our Shakespeare audiences, our core audiences, came in with the Shakespeare and out with the technology. And our non-Shakespeare audiences came in with the technology and out with the Shakespeare. Yeah. And... I think that was a really, we ha I wouldn't necessarily have thought about it before, but what it reminded us of was how important it is to bring generations together, but also different audiences together to enjoy something and not create a new disenfranchised voice. And we asked a lot of the audiences, often younger, um, who weren't uh, coming in coming in for the technology, what were their favourite scenes? And they would often say, the drinking scenes with Stefano and Trinculo, and there is no technology in those scenes, and it's just Shakespeare um, sharing humour and joy and fun around two characters in the play that get drunk together. And I think um, that's a really important uh, reminder, is that it's how and when we use the technology, and how some of the best technology there is is the actor, and how we get all of that working together holistically, um, takes uh, a creative team to to know what they're crafting and know what they're using in that space and, and know when not to use it as well. Yeah, and this comes, we, we talk about this a lot in, within the industry, that this is meant to be, you know, immersive tech, a lot of it is just different canvases for telling stories. Obviously, that's more extreme with you because you're you know, literally telling stories. Uh, but it's how to use the technology to enhance what's happening rather than to take away from what's happening or to be the focus. So it's about building that audience. How do your 
I don't know the average age of a normal Shakespeare play visitor, but I imagine it's not young. Um, how do your, what would have been your traditional core older audiences feel about you tinkering with you know, this thing that they've been doing for so many years, unencumbered by clever technology? I think the wonderful thing about our core audiences is they've been with us for decades, some of them, and they've seen so many radical, innovative um, performances. Um, their tolerance for newness and um, innovation is really, really high. What matters to them, I think, is the rigour around it and it not being technology for technology's sake because they know those plays really well and they're invested and they want to be entertained. Um, so it's got to form part of their entertainment and their experience of the play. So in that sense, really, um, we're just custodians in some way um, working here for the time we do with our audiences and our audience have a much bigger cultural memory in some cases um, around um, great performances that they've seen over the past four decades, for example. And I suppose what's exciting for them is when they're part of those amazing productions and they're part of those game-changing or transformative productions that people look back on and say, that changed theatre or that, that, that was a moment of a wonderful performance of an actor that, that of their generation and I think that um, that's what you're that's what they're looking for and and they they also are very um, yeah they're very accepting and also they they're very engaged and it's our job to make sure that we going back to what you were saying at the beginning are engaged back and make sure that we are holding holding those productions and, and really testing the why of why we're using the tools that we're using. So if if the Tempest was sort of a big groundbreaking moment and and it worked, what's what's next? What's what have you got coming? What can people look forward to? So what we're looking at now is not just our main stage but there's all the multiple stages that we can be on. Um, immersive technology really fits a theatre-making um, approach and theatre's been working in virtual reality for centuries um, and mapping 3D spaces is what we, we do really well um, and tell st telling stories in those spaces is what we do really well. So we're looking at um, collaborations with uh, different partners to achieve that. We most recently did a, a volumetric captured performance of The Seven Ages of Man's Speech on Magic Leap and you could experience that performance on a tabletop. Um, you could walk around, you could see each other performing that and that was a statement of intent really about where are the stages now for theatre. Um, and now it's led into our new um, big collaboration, not just uh, with ourselves but with a range of creative partners um, for as part of the Audience of the Future um, consult programme which is funded by Innovate UK. So for our American listeners, which we have about half, so uh, Innovate UK is a, it's a, it's a quasi-government body charged with investing in all sorts of technologies to sort of promote effectively British industry but it's about pushing boundaries and allowing companies to do things that they wouldn't be able to do without the sort of guiding hand of government to give them the take away some of the commercial risk to allow them to take risks and try things in a completely different way. 
that's that's absolutely right and uh, it's a research and development uh, program where we're working with a range of creative partners technology partners and research partners over the next 18 months to explore the future of live performance um, our creative partners are Manchester International Festival Punch Drunk Marshmallow Laser Feast and the Philharmonia all of us have different audiences but all of us share audiences as well and we're all making work over the next 18 months that will test different immersive aspects of live performance we're sharing those learnings we're making sure that um, people have access to, to what we learn through that and also creating new pieces of work that will entertain and, and hopefully inspire our audiences the technology partners we're working with are um, Magic Leap, Epic Games and Intel. And our research partners are IT Media and Goldsmiths University, um, University of Portsmouth, Nesta and De Montfort University. And they're going to be capturing all the learnings and the commercialisation of that. Because we, we feel very strongly that we're in a very foundational phase. Um, we're getting this fit for purpose. We're looking at scale, but we're also looking at commercial business opportunities and sustainability. Um, Recognising that for us, this is quite a B2B market and we really need to make sure that there is a, a consumer in this going forward. And to achieve that, some of our business models might change. Yeah. So, obviously, the, the programme is called The Audience of the Future. Uh, what is the audience of the future? Is it just people in, a, in, in the room who've bought tickets to see that show? Is it fans of Shakespeare who can experience some kind of performance on a non-performing day sitting in their living room? I think the audience of the future um, is about community now. I think you're, you feel part of a community. You want a sense of congregation. And I think you can get that in multiple ways. I think you can come to Stratford-upon-Avon and have a wonderful experience seeing a live performance, going for dinner, um, making a weekend of it. Um, but we also want a relationship with you where you are and we want you to feel as close to you as we possibly can. And we have had that through a traditional broadcast model, but you still feel very far away. And what we're trying to look at is how close can we get to you um, wherever you are and what that looks like and what sort of content that might be. Because it may not be a full three-hour performance of Shakespeare. It could be a three-minute episodic performance and that's what we're working out um, and I think the audience of the future um, we're looking at large-scale reach and very personalized aspects of that where people will want more and want to feel closer to us and other people just may want a simple connection so I think we're busting out of those linear um, pipelines and we're um, looking at how we can have a a much more personal connection with our audience. Will it be AR? Will it be VR? Will it be XR, MR, immersive all, projections? All, all the realities is what we're looking at. Um, and deliberately so. We're, we're doing cross-platform. Uh, we're approaching it um, in a location-based way, possibly mixed reality, um, and then in a more distributed, non-location-based way, using AR and also the platforms that might exist for you, you might have already. Yeah. Um, and we are hoping to go to places where there are audiences already, communities already. Um, so we are, we are testing, we're, we're being as agnostic as we possibly can be. 
um, and the reason is to research and develop what our audiences want. Yeah. yeah. So, on a previous episode, I was talking about innovation in gambling, and I asked the guest who was from Las Vegas how important it was that it was being tried out in Las Vegas in terms of how it ends up being distributed around other places. In a similar way, the fact that the Royal Shakespeare Company are trying this stuff, is there a trickle down into other theatre? You know, you being approached by people saying, well, you've done this, we should now be doing this, and asking you how to do it. And do you feel a responsibility to the broader industry? I think there's a really important uh, responsibility around leadership from the Royal Shakespeare Company within the arts and culture sector. I think it's really important that we recognise that we can probably leverage and use our brand to have relationships with partners that maybe other theatre companies or smaller arts organisations may not be able to. Um, and I think that it, that's imperative that we share those learnings and also make our tech accessible to, to other companies for them to try it out and, and see if that works for them. Um, I think we have a really really good setup in the UK in particular around subsidy and funding and and it is our responsibility by receiving that subsidy and funding to make sure that we are giving back to the sector um, and that also uh, we are we can look at a scale um, that can reach great global audiences and working with our playwright um, Shakespeare, we know there is a global interest in his work um, and use that uh, to, to present his work in new ways to new audiences. Um, it, those, those things are really important to us um, and, and we think about that a lot and we, we try and make sure that every project we do has a, has a positive impact. Yeah. So um, I know you said you work with Magic Leap. Also, I know that when you work Magic Leap, you have to sign more MDAs than I think I've ever seen anywhere else. Notwithstanding that, was it fun working with them and seeing some of the incredible oh, technologies that they're working on? Absolutely brilliant. And I think that um, it's really, really crucial right now that artists and technolo technology companies are working together in collaboration. It's a really urgent issue because if, if you don't have artists in the mix, if we don't have creatives in the mix around this new technology you're going to miss some really amazing unexpected uses and, and of that technology. And I think uh, what's brilliant about a company like Magic Leap is they're wonderful collaborators. They are always looking at the future. The horizon is, is wonderful. Um, and we've had a really genuinely equitable um, collaboration and partnership where um, we have a shared sense of um, interest in, in what, a, what the new technologies can do, but what storytelling can, can do in this space. And if you put these technologies in the hands of artists, unexpected and unimaginable things are going to happen and have happened. And it's our job to, to, to make sure we collaborate with as many technology companies as possible in order to, to create a diverse range of possibilities um, in, in the content space and entertainment space. Yeah. So... How does one end up with being charged with the responsibility of bringing <laughs> Shakespeare to a digital world? So what's your, what's your story? How did you get here? Gosh. Um, so I've worked for the RSC for about nearly 10 years. Um, and it happened to coincide with the festival that they were doing um, at the time. And I think 
the RSC is always innovated, so to look at digital technology is not um, is some. It would be a natural thing for them to do, and my job uh, as a producer essentially has been to uh, look at uh, artists and talent and, and different ways we can we can use that. Um, and just over time, we've built um, a range of projects that have tested and, in some cases, disrupted. Um, that and and I think that we what we've done through that is now embedded the tech but not only that look to organizational change and how how are we an organization in the 21st century I think it really isn't just about the technology it's about the culture and how we're move how we're moving from an analog world to a digital world and we are the one generation that will have both in its workforce and really a lot of my job is to um, embed the new thinking in the organisation as much as the technology, but also make sure that we really respond to the past and the present and the future and it has a relationship there that we don't lose the cultural memory of the organisation and that we, we give these new tools to the people that are innovating really quietly every day, whether you're making costume whether you're um, in the armoury, whether you're in the lighting department, whether you're um, the designer, all of those creatives have the best tools available to them and where we're seeing the biggest growth is in this space. Has anything you've tried gone wrong? <laughs> of course it has. Is <laughs> there anything you've tried to go wrong you'd like to tell us about? <laughs> um, I think one of the things we learnt around the Tempest is you put a lot of care into warming up uh, the analogue space. What I mean by that is having rehearsal, um, checking your lines, making sure the actors are, are, are ready and are fit for the show. One of the things you don't often do with technology is give it that time to warm it up and get it right. What you do is you put everything in place and then turn the on button and um, expect it to work. And technology doesn't work like that. It does not. It does not. And I think that's the biggest thing you can't say enough is let it warm up and, and work with it. And, and we did put everything in place and we did turn it on and it didn't work the first time. And I think, um, not in the show. Oh, okay, so I was going to say, not show, on opening night. Not on opening night. But, but the thing is, just to remind ourselves those moments of... Um, make sure you yeah make sure you think about those things and give the tech the time it needs yeah um and give the tech the time it deserves actually um uh, it's a big was was a big learn and will always be a big learn i think yeah no it's um I, I, well just from a practical point of view every time we do a pitch presentation um getting things plugged into the television yeah. it's extraordinary that technology companies have often fail to be able to do that but yeah we, you know when you're doing installations at trade shows you know turning them on the day before in a different city doesn't necessarily work in the way you would expect it to exactly. oh, very good so a question i always end with is and i'm even more excited than usual to hear your answer on this one is if there was one technological advancement that you are either looking forward to in the short term or could be a lot further off that would change how the way you use technology works. What's the what's that big tech change that would transform what you do? I had about three come up there. Um, you're, allow, you're actually okay. allowed to do three? I think 5G, if that can work, yeah. 
that's absolutely transformative for us because that allows us to travel you know we can we can make genuinely immersive work travel in real time that form of connectivity is phenomenal um and i think what we could do with that could be absolutely transformative to how you experience immersive you know immersive experiences yeah um ai i think um is a is has a has a bad press in some ways but can we create a smart stage can we create smart aspects of our work that allow us to then look at architecting our spaces differently um and can we create a learning a learning stage for example mm. which would be quite interesting um that would go some way to moving people off the whole ai is going to destroy the world it's going to take all of our jobs yeah i think it's about how we approach that i think um again put ai in the hands of artists and let's see mm. what alchemy can come up with rather than faster quicker let's let's intellectually you know, unpick yeah, what we could do with that. I might start asking everyone to do three, actually. This is really good. So what's your third? Um, my third one is um, let's, let's not be technology first in our thinking, let's be audience first in our thinking, and then let's wrap the technology around that. And so I think that's a much more holistic answer. I think that we're very um, headset or um, tech, you know, biased on how the thing that we're experiencing on and I think that um, hopefully some of that will evaporate over time and we won't think about that it's a bit like how we um, how we look at buildings and who those buildings are for and how those buildings are architected and how that technology might be seen as buildings in a new way um, portable buildings places um, and how, how that technology embeds and that will be quite interesting. So, uh, we were meant to end with that question, but I've now thought of another one, just because... <laughs> so, Tempest, it worked. Midsummer's Night Dream, you could see how it could work. Um, uh, Macbeth, you could probably say how it would work. Are there some Shakespeare plays that actually it would be ruined by immersive tech because not because the story is everything because the story is everything in all of them but is there something where actually the layout of the play is such that this would only ever be a distraction would it you know do you think it would only is there you know only certain plays it works for i think i think i think your point is right um i I think it's i think there are plays that don't need it that's how I would frame it. Don't you know? There's always a why in it. Why? Why would? Why are you bringing that in? And that's why I go back to the. Let's stop thinking about technology first. Let's think about what we want to say with these plays, who we want to say it to, and then let's look at what tools we have available in order to say it. And you can argue some of uh, Shakespeare's plays are just wonderfully um, written and written for simplicity and and where we look at it's also important to say as a company um we'll look at the play and if it needs the technology then we'll add it if it doesn't then we don't use it and we're not suddenly just going to do technology-led performances you know we've got a wide range of uh, directors that will approach all the different plays and in, in how they want to um and some of those plays yeah there are some plays that work better than others and arguably the more magical minded plays right now um, lend themselves to, to this form of tech.
brilliant. Very good. Sarah Ellis from the Royal Shakespeare Company, thank you very much for your time and I look forward to seeing some of the magic that you bring to the stage. Thank you for listening to The Reality Show. If you enjoyed listening, please be sure to subscribe and leave a review. You can also find us on social media at Reality Show Pod. Thank you.